Welcome to the Reach the Stars podcast, a collection of conversations with cool people who do cool things. Brought to you by Papercraft Miracles. Each week, we'll bring you inspiring stories of persistence, passion, and purpose. With your host, Jonna Willoughby-Lore. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Reach the Stars podcast. I am your host, Jonna Willoughby-Lore. And today, my guest goes by a couple of different names. Which name do you want to go by on this show? Stella. Stella. So this is Stella Orange. She's awesome. And she tells stories for a living which is super cool, helps other people tell their stories for a living, um, mainly through marketing and and helping people with copywriting and stuff like that. Um, And she has helped people to generate bazillions of dollars, which is awesome. And uh, she has a a weekly kind of writing get together called Shut Up and Write, where people hang out silently on on Zoom-ish platform and, and write to inspire each other to stay motivated and stay on the stick, which is super cool. So welcome to the show, Stella. Thank you. It's awesome to be here, Jonna. Yeah. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about your, uh, your meandering story and how you got to where you are this moment and where you've been oh, before. Goodness. That's a big question. Um, I guess I'll talk the, tell the story of how I got to Buffalo, which is, uh, four years ago, my, uh, philosopher, my partner, my beloved got a job teaching uh, here in Buffalo. And we were peripatetic people. We lived all over the place. Um, I've moved my entire life. Uh, As a kiddo, I think I lived in like seven different states. Um, I went to three different high schools. I lived in Europe when I was a teenager. I went to an American school there. And so for me, I have a dream of home. I've always had a dream of home. I tried in college to write uh, a honors thesis about communitarianism, Mm -hmm. which was basically a fancy word for building a home with other people. I failed because it was way too intellectual and like it didn't, just didn't work. But um, for me, my story has long been a quest for home because I've moved around so much. So I met you when we moved here to Buffalo, New York. And I think for me, the significance of moving to Buffalo was that it was our first place where we might be for a while. You know, we had lived two years in Ohio. We lived five years in Miami, Florida. I'd lived four years in the mountains in Bozeman, Montana. And I'm a big community person. Like I I love to build community I like to exist and collaborate in community, Um, but I had done it on the internet. Like I'm an internet copywriter and Mm -hmm. I've made people a bazillion dollars by selling their services and products on the internet. And so for me, that story, when I started my copywriting business in 2009, I was living, I just moved from Montana. I had moved down to Florida to see about a guy. I already knew that I was not going to like South Florida because I'm a very earthy, grounded person. And Florida is very airy. And in my experience, it occurs as rather superficial. Like, you know, so I just felt like a fish out of water there. And so finally, when we made our way to Buffalo, it was like, okay, this might be a place that I can put down roots and stay a while. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that 
story has been interesting as someone who has kind of kept her relationships and community sort of in the ethers of the internet to actually ground and root into being like, like in meat space, as they say, <laughs> like being in flesh and bones in a place that has like incredible 20th century architecture, a ton of creative people. Like, I, you know, I feel like Buffalo is one of the best places. It's, it's exactly the kind of place that someone like me wants to be at this part of life, like both the climate and the people and the culture and the art and all of that. So um, I'm learning how to be in physical space with other people. And then there was a pandemic and, <laughs> and like, so I've been building community and like, that's how we got together is like getting a group of, of women together to, to just run a salon and talk about all the things. And now we're all kind of in our homes and isolated in a way. And so for me, this, that's like the story that I'm living now is someone who desperately wants to be in like cahoots with like community builders in physical space, like breathing the same air as people. But right now, breathing the same air as other people is like dangerous. I know. It's so weird. It's like I, I watched like TV shows and you know, you look at it now and you're like, oh, that's so unsafe. Look at all those. There's so many people in that room. Yeah. And like, like, I, I don't know about you, Jonna, but like, I've had dreams now about like wearing masks and socially distancing while I'm asleep. And I'm like, that's trippy. Like that the dream time is now looking at like in my brain, I'm now thinking about the print, the pandemic when I'm asleep, like when I'm unconscious, it's even filtered into that, that space, that landscape. Yeah. And my kids are like, playing cops and robbers, but it's like people versus virus and they run around the house, like fighting the virus, <laughs> which is interesting. Cause I would imagine that's like a collaborative, like it's not a competitive thing. It's a collab, like we're learning to be social. Like we're learning that we need to care for one another to varying degrees of failure and success, I think. But like we are see like no one's going to get out of this as an individual. I mean, I guess maybe, I don't know. Yeah, maybe like, there's rich people. Maybe you can buy your way out of this. You really can't though, because you know, how many rich people have had coronavirus? A lot. But the a medical lot. care they, that like, they get is hang out together. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a whole other, that's a whole yeah. other show. That's, that's yeah. not reach the stars. That's something else, but <laughs> we certainly talk about, uh, about some political social issues for yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. You know, how do you avoid it when you live in this, in this world? Um, yeah. It's just such a crazy thing to, you know, to know that I we've got kids that are going to grow up where like this is what they know of the world. And I when the whole pandemic started, I was like, are we going to look back in five years and be like, oh, remember 2020? That fucking sucked. Or is it going to be like, this is our life now? Like, yeah, we live in mask life. And that is the life now. And it's it's still kind of hard to figure out you know, which level of insanity we're at. And I, as, as a parent have definitely been struggling with like, which of these things is worse for my kids to like, uh, not be able to go to school and be around their other kids and, and to live in a world where they're afraid to touch things or mm -hmm. that their mother makes them afraid to touch things apparently. Right. Um, like, is that worse for them or for me to, you know, be more lenient, lenient about it and have them go out and like potentially get really sick and, and hurt somebody. Like which one is worse for them? Yeah. I don't know. One's worse mentally and one's worse physically, I guess. And it's, yeah. it's a struggle. There's a lot of babies are so little and you're not like trying to, they're not trying to go see their friends. 
No. So yeah. So the, I also, I think that's the other story that's mine to tell in this moment is like, I also had babies at peak, what used to be the old peak of <laughs> infection here in Western New York. My babies came the end of April. Um, I had twins which is awesome. And people are like, this is the shittiest year ever. Like what a dumpster fire. And I'm like, I had babies. <laughs> and so there's um, some dissonance there for me. And I had planned of being kind of like out of social circulation for like the next five years of my life anyway. So like, it's, it's also been rather discombobulating to be having my personal life in this very like joyful, momentous, like personal event. And also know that like, there's a lot of suffering and like just crumbling of the old system as well. So I think, you know, a lot of what I like, a lot of the work that I do in my own head about sort of the, the story I tell myself about my life and like what's going on in the world is really around those sorts of, um, dissonances and mismatches like how do you how do you get right with that like um I don't know I mean it's it's a lot of thinking about you know the the yin yang of the world like with with the good comes the bad with hmm. the black comes the white like there are over the course of time supposedly an equal number of these two opposing forces of hmm. you know things that seem to be favorable for you and things that don't and things that are good for some people and not good for other people and you know over time I think it does you know balance out I guess and I think we just have to kind of think about that that says like you know yes there are these horrible things happening and and a lot of people are suffering and and people are sick and people are dying and people are losing their businesses and losing their homes and can't feed their families and all that's fucking terrible hmm. but at the same time uh there are I think a lot of people who all of a sudden now realize how interconnected they are to other people. That's right. And they would, never would have thought about that before. Like it didn't occur to them what was really important and how much they depended on other people and other people depend on them. And like you were saying that like, this is definitely not a, a thing that individuals can get out of. I mean, the more people are selfish and think about themselves and what they want and what they're inconvenienced by, the longer this sucks balls for everybody. just be like I'm gonna do something for other people I'm just gonna wear a mask and I'm gonna stay home if I can I'm not gonna go anywhere if I don't need to go there if everybody did that for like a month we'd be mm. in a way better situation than we are right now but people are yeah. like oh I'm sick of being in my house and the people who work at the grocery store I'm like I really don't want to go to work because I might die it's it's really different you know it's like the people who mm. need to be out in the world let them be out in the world so that they can help the rest of us. And if you could be in your house, fucking stay home. Like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah. in a lot of ways, I guess, you know, any parent out there is losing their goddamn mind right now in some ways, because it is really difficult to consistently deal with little kids and explain to them about the world and say like, Oh, we can't go to the science museum and we can't go to this place and we can't go all these other places and we can't go see your friends or play with other kids and do these things and trying to figure out how to keep their lives being meaningful and, and fun um, without 
you know, putting our own fears and craziness on them all day long. So I definitely feel for all the parents out there in this pandemic because it's shit is hard, mm-hmm. you know, because there are definitely, you know, I guess there's there's pros and cons to all of it because like my kids crack me up every day and like they decide to have a, a game about fighting the virus, you know, like yeah. as opposed to be they're not. I, don't, I wouldn't say that they're they're not afraid of it the way that I am because it doesn't seem real to them. Yeah they kind of live in this little bubble. And so they help me to kind of be playful about things when I'm way too serious. And so I'm obviously, I'm really glad that I have kids. I'm glad I have two kids and they can play with each other, which is really awesome. And just getting to see my kids interact with each other and, you know, work school to be open. My oldest would be in school all day and my youngest would be like hanging out with a babysitter. So like, this is all time that they get to spend together as brothers that they wouldn't get to spend otherwise. Well, so that's, that's one of the questions that I've been asking our team. I run a, a business, uh, like a marketing and business consult, like business advising agency. You can tell the name of it if you want. If you want yeah, with Las Peregrinas. And it's, it's with two other women, one who lives in Canada and one who lives in Michigan. And I've been asking our team this question, and I want to turn it over to you as well, if you want to play, which is like, are there any silver linings for you? in this year and this it's, it's fucking hard, right? Like, I don't, I don't dispute that. And I, I feel like what you're describing, I'm like, well, I'm a parent and like, I'm, I'm making it, but also I have babies. So they're like not talking yet. They aren't, they don't know the difference. Right. So I feel like I'm kind of squeaking, squeaking by on this one, but like, so you've mentioned like you are with your kids and your kids are with each other in a way that wouldn't be possible if things were like air quotes, normal. Yeah. What else are you seeing or what else inside your own experience? Like you're actually like, I don't, I don't know. Like I said this to my, my business partners and they were like, it's, they both are um, moms and their kids are older and they're like, this is awful. (laughs) But then we had this huge belly laugh about some of the interest. Like one of my business partners is a business intuitive and she took on like a side gig as like a psychic, like a phone in psychic. And she like, was like, I'll tell you something. I have 16 notebooks from my calls with people that are calling the psychic phone network now. And she was like, and one day there are like three people that are all interested in a man named Rupert. She's like all over the world, three women were pining for Rupert and we lost our nuts. Like we were just like, I wonder if it's the same guy. That's what we, and she was like, you know, like one of them's like, will he think of me? She's like, no, she, he, Rupert's calling that woman in Italy. Like, you know, so, like this, I, I, I don't know how to say this and I, I might flub it. So help, help me, Jonna. But like, my thought is there's some awful things that have happened and we all need to like grieve it. Like there's so much that we've had to let go of, like from physical deaths, from like, like just grief, sadness, trauma, like all of these things, you know? And like, I would be lying if I didn't say there've been some really tender moments or like good things arising. And like the last couple of weeks for me personally, especially, and I know that I might sound like an asshole to some people, but like, I felt this joy and this mischief arising in me, which is actually when I know I'm actually in a good spot, Mm -hmm. when I want to like kind of mess with things in a benevolent mischievous way, that means life force is moving through my body in a very nice flow. Yeah. And so I'm like, Oh, hello. And so like, I don't know, like, is that, you're, you're a mischievous creature as well. So I, I guess sure. 
where's like, are there silver linings for you? Do you think I'm off my rocker? Like where are you I at? I don't think this? you're off your rocker at all. Um, I think there are a lot of silver linings and a lot of them were more evident to me in the beginning of the pandemic when okay. more people were really taking it seriously. Um, and I saw this vast majority of people, especially in New York state where our governor really took it seriously, pretty much from the get go and was like, this is going to be bad and we need to mitigate and we're all going to make big sacrifices for the sake of the few. And to see my state and my community literally like losing their jobs and losing their livelihoods and losing their business for the sake of people who are older and sicker and weaker than they were. I have never seen anything that looks more like love than that in my life. And, you know, people are getting, it's the same as it's the same way that people are about violence is that it happens so often that people become desensitized to it. And you know, like I keep seeing these memes come out that's like, oh, how many Americans died today of COVID? The same number of people who died in 9-11 and during 9-11. After that, like are we re- redid our entire form of government and all security and changed 100 million laws immediately. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, that many people die every day, every day. And they're just like, yeah, who fucking cares? It ain't me. And what's the silver lining in that, though? I think that, the, I mean, initially the silver lining was that people were caring about more about their neighbors and were dropping off gift cards to their friends who weren't able to go to work and weren't getting unemployment and were like taping Tops and Wegmans gift cards to their doors and dropping food off for people and, and going to the store for people who were immunocompromised. And like a lot of that stuff is still happening. Yeah, that's what I would say. Every day, but that stuff is still happening where people are really coming together to know their community and to help people who need help. And I think that is an amazing thing that's happening. I think that people are really realizing the power and necessity of the arts uh, when you're stuck at home and you just want to like consume art and listen to music and watch TV I mean, shows and movies and art, all things art or pot or wine, like art. Yeah libation yeah Yeah, i mean like people are needing to be entertained and to consume what is that called diversions i guess so i mean it's it's more like people are realizing that when you know that no new tv shows come out if if the actors can't work yeah and that all of the other people who aren't on the screen but who make you know movies and tv and theater stuff happen all of those people have no jobs and that when you don't have new media coming out to entertain people, people are like, Oh wow, maybe we should be paying artists more because we would all be going fucking insane if we didn't have these distractions or things to entertain our minds and keep us busy. And the artists that are putting together online workshops to teach people how to make stuff while they're sitting at home, you know, like all of those innovative, creative people are finding ways to use their art and people who never, you know, who love to make art and couldn't have time to do it because they had to go to their job every day 
are now like, oh, well, I, I'm unemployed. I guess I'm going to start an Etsy shop and make masks. And now they're like making more money selling masks than they were making at their fucking job. And they like doing what they're doing, you know? So I'd say there's a lot of stuff like that. Mm. There's a lot of people who are realizing how short life can be mm. and are like, you know, I don't want to stay in this job working for somebody else where I feel like crap and I hate work every day. I'm going to start my own business serving the needs of people in this society. And there's all sorts of needs that people have. And I think it's, it's giving people kind of that, like, well, if not now, then when attitude, hmm. which I think is good because a lot hmm. of people get really comfortable in their uncomfortableness hmm. and uh, they get really lazy and afraid of making any change. And now the mm-hmm. pandemic kind of forces people to say, Hey, like you could do this right now and it's not going to change your lifestyle a whole lot. And, but you'll feel better about what you're doing. Um, and I think another giant silver lining, especially for me, uh, is being able to do this show. Mm-hmm. And I have friends all over the country, people that I love to have conversations with who are all like, Oh, you know, we try and find time to talk on the phone and there just isn't time when things were quote unquote normal, but now so many people are like, Oh, an hour to cool, have a conversation that we can share on the internet. Cool. I'm down. And I've had, I've been able to like have conversations with people I haven't talked to in years. So I think that's that's awesome. Uh, making it so that more people are now communicating via zoom like this, where you're actually looking the person in the face, as opposed to sending text messages where you don't see the person at all and you're not actually having a whole conversation. You're like, all right, all right, all right. I was on board until you went for texts. I'm not saying not to text, but I'm just saying like, I find a conversation like this to Mm. be so much more richer and fulfilling for me as a person. Right. To have somebody send me text messages. Interesting. I, okay. I'm all about it different strokes for different folks, right? Like I, I run a collaborative agency and we're all about disagreement and discussion being a generative creative process, right? So as someone that, that is more on the introvert side of things, like I'm outgoing, I like to meet people and, you know, get out and schmooze just as much as the next gal. And the way that I communicate with some of my dearest friends is by text because I've long worked on the internet and zoom and I get tired of having these deep conversations. Like I pretty much have about three hours or four hours a day where I can go to this level of connection with other human beings. And then I need to disconnect Mm -hmm. because my energy starts, um, instead of it giving me energy, it starts to leech my energy and I don't show up as my best self. So it's interesting. We call them introvert parties because many of my friends are also creatives who find that they need to take time away. And after they've done their interacting and social time with people, they need to go into their hermit caves and do whatever it is we do (laughs) out of the watchful eye of the panopticon, like out of the watchful eye of what other people are doing or whatever. So I hear you. I think that's like, it's cool that we can all come face to face. And I think Zoom fatigue is real. Mm -hmm. And for me, I can only sit at my desk for so long. And I'd rather be either talking to people on a really cool level, like a deep genuine level or writing. And then I don't want to be at my desk anymore. Like I'm not a big social media person because like, I need to be out in nature. I need to be like messing around in my house. So, um, yeah, 
I, I actually sometimes feel more connected with people that I know really well via text without the honest of having to look at them and look at them eyeball, eyeball to eyeball. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I just, I feel the need to blurt slash interject as you're talking. Yeah, I mean, obviously texting definitely has, it has its purpose. And, and my, I would say that my closest friends, we do communicate more via text than something yeah. like this, but um, I find that you know, like I get a lot of, a lot of energy from performing for people. Obviously I like, I'm kind of dying in the pandemic by not being uh, able to like feel the audience, you know? Um, uh-huh. but doing something like this and really being able to have a deep face-to-face conversation with somebody intentionally, mm-hmm. um, I think it's just really, really fulfilling for me. Cool. And because you know, a lot of times I was that high school kid that was on the phone talking to people all the time. And I was always out like with my friends and we were having these deep conversations and we had a lot of that time. And then once I became an adult, especially once I became a parent, like having taking intentional time to connect with someone who you respect intellectually and really talking to them about their lives and their experience and hearing their stories and sharing stories with them. I love that. And I have gotten you know, the, the older my kids get, the less time I had to do stuff like that. Cause I was totally consumed with dealing with their shit all day long, which is you know, yeah. that mom life, you know? And I think that that's one thing that even, you know, pre pandemic, it was difficult to find time to get together with one parent one-on-one without kids to have a conversation about something that is not necessarily about kids. Huh. And I, I really needed it. Yeah. I don't know. I think also being able to get away with having a show that's not perfect where like you have a tablecloth hanging up behind you or a curtain and like now you have a show and pre pandemic, you know, there would have been more people saying like, Oh, I could hear a motorcycle in the background or I could hear this, or this isn't perfect about this or whatever. And people are just so much more tolerant of the fact that people so, We're all just doing the best we can. Exactly, exactly. And it's like done is better than perfect. Yeah. And I think that the pandemic has really cemented that into my life that mm-hmm. like, just do it, put it out there and you know, you can work on improving it later. <laughs> so far it's been, it's just been really great having this show and being able to have all these conversations with people. And you might be able to hear my kids come downstairs right now because they're coming downstairs. I hear them. <laughs> That's right. Um, but it's just really funny how so many people in this world wouldn't give themselves permission to be cool enough to like have their own show. Right. Mm-hmm. They're like, Oh, what do I have? You know, how do I have something that's, that's worthwhile for other people? And I think that's definitely one thing that's part of my personality that is really different from a lot of other women is that I'm not at all apologetic for like myself or anything else. Really. I'm kind of a dick sometimes about apologizing. Um, and you know, it's a, it's a really common trait for other women to apologize way too much for things that need no apology whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And to not think really super highly of themselves their capabilities and to think that the things that they think about and the things they have to offer the world are worth offering. And 
So for me, the second I had a chance to do a show like this and to highlight so many other amazing people that I know, I'm like, you're doing cool things. You need to tell more people about it. Let's go. Let's talk about it. You know? Yeah. It just, it, it makes it so that I have this platform where I can highlight so many amazing people who are doing these amazing things. And you know, some people, when they do a podcast, they're like, oh, I need to have 10,000 listeners per episode or I feel like a failure. And I'm like, if two people listen to this and they're like, that was cool, that made me feel inspired or that was really interesting to think about or I hadn't thought about something that way or you gave me a resource or an idea. Like, how could that not be worth my time to do it? Hmm. And, you know, if I can convince one person out there to say, I have something worth saying and I'm going to go say it worth it, worth it. Total silver lining, you know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I don't know. I get a lot of energy from doing these conversations. And then when I get to go, like, I don't know, I guess many, many years of uh, enjoying marijuana has made it so that I have conversations with people and I'm like, man, what exactly did they say? (laughs) Um, and so having them recorded is also really nice because I can go back and like really listen deeply to the way I was talking with somebody and what we talked about and, and grab little quotes of what they said. It's like, oh man, that's so cool. I want to keep thinking about that. And, you know, like, you know, put that, put that on, you know, the tagline or put that as the title and like going back and really being able to take deeper dives into conversations when I'm not in them uh, is also really cool. So, Yeah. Um, what else do we talk about? I'm curious about your, your time as, as a kid, like growing up in all these different places and how do you think that affects how you want to parent your kids? Never thought about that before. Um, I think that moving gave me an appreciation of what it is to be the new kid and also what it is to be on the receiving end of grace and inclusivity. So I'm used to, because of how I grew up, I'm used to being the outsider. And as a kid, that can be really challenging, you know, and I think now as I do work um, with business owners around their stories and like finding what's true about their experience that would touch, move or inspire other people. Like many of us have outsider stories and some of the people doing the work that I find most compelling in the world have figured out how to transmute that outsiderness into a sense of belonging, right? Like it's this idea that like many of us as adults had to figure out how to tend to the owies that we got as kids based on how we grew up. And then, you know, I do a lot of work with people that then turn around and take that thing and then support other people or serve other people with that, that tool or that technique or or what have you. And so I think, um, I want to teach my kids to be kind especially to people that appear to us or occur to us as outsiders, because you never know when you're going to be the next outsider. And I say this as someone who at 13 moved to Europe and lived in France where I didn't speak French. And then at, I think 19 or 20, I moved to Japan and taught school there. I didn't speak Japanese. 
Um, and so obviously I've, as a white lady from the suburbs, like I've got a fair amount of privilege, um, a ton of privilege. And I've also had the experience of not being like everybody else and having people ignore me or not include me or make assumptions about who I am. So I, I really want to, um, impart that to my kids. And I think then the other thing is that, um, sense of impermanence. One of the things and I was talking to someone about this recently, like one of the things for me, that's been very useful in this experience of pandemic life is that because I moved around so much as a kid, um, I never expected life to continue. Like I knew there were no guarantees because as soon as I would make friends and as soon as I would like find my spot in school or whatever, my dad would get another job and we'd transfer to another town. And so it gave me this like almost like Buddhist sense of like impermanence and like things arise, things pass away. Mm -hmm. And like, I've gone through as a kid and a young person, I've gone through so many cycles of like moving to the new place, finding community, building it up, doing some really cool shit. And then the chapter's done and things kind of disintegrate and compost. And so I've noticed in this experience this year that many of my fellow like citizens and neighbors really having a hard time with things not being like they expected. And I come almost pre-programmed because of how I grew up, um, not expecting things to continue. I know that doesn't mean that I don't have an emotional response to what's going on. And when I, you know, I'm in this process, I got off maternity leave the end of August. So I've been back at work for, I think, three months now. And I'm having a lot of conversations and reconnecting with, with old colleagues and just seeing like, what was the experience for them this year? What's changed? Like businesses have closed, like family members have died, like all just kind of listening and hearing and receiving people's stories and comparing field notes. And um, things end. And I still mourn the ending of things. I still go through a process of like, oh shit, I really was hoping that it would work out like this. Um, but I think the way that I grew up gave me a gift in not expecting or like believing that I'm entitled to things working out in a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't know how one gives that lesson to their children but I want to pass that along. And I, and I feel that I actually do that in some ways, like just as a human being to other people that I meet, like I, I want us to celebrate when there's just the sweetness, like celebrate the sweetness, celebrate the progress. And also like I'm working on, you know, as a middle-aged woman, like grieving and mourning and doing that in community. I'm not so great about that. Like I'm still learning how to be sad in a group because mm -hmm. I tend to want to remove myself and go lick my wounds in the writer's cave. And I may always do that. Or, yeah. You know, like that just might be my process and I'm, I'm cool with that. But I, as you're saying, like for me, I'm really appreciating that like our interdependence is what will see us through. And so I don't think we can be all sunshine and rainbows and joy and mischief. Like Lord knows we need it. <laughs> so if you're feeling it, like share that shit. Mm -hmm. um, 
but also that things do, it's the natural course of the things for people to die, for things to end, the, the worlds that we've built together to collapse or come to their natural course. And I, you know, I, we can go cosmic, but I, like we've built an unsustainable system in this society. Mm-hmm. And so in a way, this is the perfect storm. And, you know, we're, there's this moment of reckoning. And I don't think, I, I, I'm hopeful, but I don't know necessarily this is going to wake us up. I think there will be additional pandemics. I think there will be continued suffering. I don't know that the American project will succeed over the next 200 years. Like if the planet's a lot around, I, I sincerely hope that the human species will continue, mm-hmm. um, but maybe not. And so part of my work personally has been getting right with that on a species level. And, and, you know, I don't know, have you ever come across the work of Adrian Marie Brown? Mm-mm. Oh, oh, um, t- a couple years ago, t- I think it was two years ago. Now I was offline for the winter break and I was kind of one morning, I was just doing whatever pleased me. And one morning I'd made myself a cup of tea and was sitting in front of our fireplace and snow was falling outside the window. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to just mess around on Twitter and give myself the pleasure of going down a rabbit hole. And so I did that. And somehow I found this woman, she, um, was on a podcast or something and she was talking about spell casting. And so she was, it was this end of year reflection and like casting yourself out into the future. And what do you want for the next year and whatnot? And little by little, I started studying her work. She's based in Detroit and she's a, a, an activist. She's been an executive director of multiple organizations. She's a New York times bestselling author who's written books, uh, emergent strategies, pleasure activism, She's a renowned Octavia Butler scholar who was the first African-American woman to receive the, I think it's the the Nebula Award for science fiction in the 70s and 80s. Um, Anyways, Adrian Marie Brown is all about this idea that worlds arise and worlds pass away. And so how do we survive the apocalypse with grace and rigor? Mm -hmm. So she and her sister, Autumn Brown, have a podcast called How to Survive the End of the World. And they talk about this. And they, you know, they're interviewing people who have had their own personal world, like, you know, people who have gotten arrested for crimes they didn't commit and then end up being incarcerated. People who are, you know, doing movement work or black liberation work. Um, People whose peoples and communities have been, you know, under attack for generations. And they're saying, what can we learn from these people who have been fighting the fight for survival for a long time? Mm-hmm. And as a white woman, I feel like I'm new to this conversation, but also like talk about listening and having like a seat at the feet of people that are really fascinating. Like that's part of what I'm just doing is just listening to, okay, what, what for pe- this is not new. Like some of us are just waking up to this because of where we are positioned in the society Mm -hmm. and it's really hard, but there's plenty of people out there who have been facing this annihilation and grief and injustice for a long time. And how do they remain intact and what do they teach? So like, that's the sort of, stew or broth of ideas that I'm, um, as much as my nervous system can handle, I'm immersing myself in as best I can in, because I mean, this is where the 
the conversation takes a dark turn, but like fucking climate crisis, mm-hmm. you know, like my husband didn't want to have babies because he's really concerned about resources and what it's going to look like for our children in a couple decades. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, like my attitude is like, well, we can't borrow just trouble. We don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah, we know it's going to be bad. And science has been trying to tell us this for a long time. And the politicians don't listen. And we're still kind of in our our dream state. And I'm going to teach my kids to be survivalists. Like, what are the skills? And so for me, it's really about this interdependence. It's about taking care of each other. It's about taping the, the gift cards for groceries to one another's doors it's about looking after the people that are right or like in our vicinity mm-hmm. and checking in and like receiving that help too. And I think for me, I, going back to your first question about how, like my story, like when we came home from the hospital, I was in the hospital for five days after I gave birth, it was a C-section. Our daughter was in the NICU for 10 days at the, you know, COVID. So my husband was in two different hospitals for 10 days. I brought my son, our son home. And was here by myself with him. And then eventually my mom came out to help because I had just had major surgery and all of this. But our friends, like Mark's colleagues, our girlfriends from our group, like dropped off food for two and a half weeks at our, our front porch. And I, it was such a humbling experience because I had never received like what you're talking about, like the silver lining of that kind of love. Like I'm a, you know, I've got more than enough. My, I'm in good community, all of that. But it was so humbling. And I felt so vulnerable in that time. New babies, baby in the hospital, husband in the hospital. Like there's this pandemic that no one really understood and all of this. And my friends are like, and, and even my friends that were far away, they were like sending us like coffee, donuts from Chicago, empanadas from San Diego. Like all of this food just started pouring in and then like piles of boxes of like board books and nappies and ones in like, I had to just take a moment to take that in. Like it took me days to like actually be able to open up boxes without weeping. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm not alone here. Mm -hmm. Like all of the, sort of, I don't know. I think about like on a surface level, like all of the community and like family work that we had done over the years, like that started to outpour onto us in our moment of greatest need. And like, I'm still processing that significance of what that is for me. And like, that's changed how I want to show up for other people. Like now, and yeah, like our friend, one of our friends, like, um, her partner's ex partner just passed away and the family needed food. And we were like, okay, great. We'll drop it off. You're like, Oh, I can't do anything. She's like, uh, but you opened your office to help me file all of these like grants that I needed to do for my company. And we filed over a million dollars of grant requests. Like, I think you did something like that never used to be part of my process to think about like everyone's strapped we're all doing the best we effing can. What is mine to offer in this moment? And I can't always do all the things, right? Like sometimes I'm just pooped. Like we were talking about today when we showed up here, like we're like, oh, like it's real. But yeah. I think that for me, I'm being changed by this year. And those are the sorts of lessons that like cosmically my babies came in under this conditions, like these conditions. So 
I think this is what they're going to be learning is like, how can our kids be taking care of each other? And as you were saying, like, not just looking out for their own egos or their own advantage, but saying like, is my friend okay? Is that stranger okay? Is the lady down the street who doesn't have babies okay? Like looking out for one another Mm -hmm. and not from a like, I mean, yeah, it's a moral obligation. It's an ethical obligation, but just realizing like, it's also survival y'all like no one's going to get out of this alive. Like we never were, but like now some of the, the, the problems are more pressing. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that it's, it's my long answer to your short question, but like, I want to impart that sort of thinking into my, my children and then also protect their joy. Can we find joy and delight and pleasure even here mm-hmm. and protect that? Because if we don't hold on to that, and for me also, and I'm assuming for you, cause you're an artist and a, you know, all sorts of multiple creative, you're a creatrix, Jonna, like, <laughs> can we continue to make and find beauty together? Mm-hmm. Like, because that to me, as you were saying, like people are really appreciating art now, like F Yeah. We, yeah. there's a reason why we make art. There's a reason why we make culture because it gives us this color and texture and like sensuality to being incarnate. Like we got to keep doing that with one another. Exactly. And I've had so another silver lining for me for sure during the pandemic is that it helped me really get to the heart of my business and why it is that I do what I do and what I can offer people that other people can't. And go on. What'd you find? Like I got to the, the meat, the nugget, the juicy the meat, nugget, right? The meat, the meat of my business is that I can help people feel connected and mm. to intentionally craft a life changing moment mm. that I can then put in the mail and send to somebody. And it means a lot to me to make it. It means a lot to the person who bought it. And it means even more to the person who they give it to. And then that person is like, man, every time they see whatever it is, they're like, Oh, I remember the exact minute that I opened that box and that thing changed me because I knew exactly who it was from. And it had this story that came with it of how it was made and why it was made and why it was made just for me to like, tell me a story that I needed to hear right now. That's and every great. time they see it, they think about that. And then somebody comes over to their house, you know, once it's safe to, when somebody comes over to their house and they see it and they're like, oh, that thing's really cool. And they're like, no, you have no idea. This is where it came from. And then they tell that person the story of where it came that's from. Right. And that person is like, oh, this is so great. And then they tell somebody else about it. And it's like that butterfly effect of yeah. changing one person's entire existence like that one yeah. at a time. That's why I do what I do. Fantastic. Like I had a client earlier, uh, earlier this summer who wanted to go to his niece's wedding. Couldn't go to the wedding, obviously, because, you know, covid And so he's like, I want to send her a gift that says, even though I can't be there with you, we're there with you. That's right. And I didn't know much. I mean, I, I know him as a person, but I didn't know anything about his like personal life at all. Mm. We only knew each other in like a business capacity. So I said, all right, well, you know, tell me about her. Tell me about your relationship. We hopped on Zoom for maybe 15 minutes. 
Mm. And I said, you know, tell me a story about her. You know, what are the special things that the two of you do together? And what are some memories that, you know, if you said something about something, she would immediately know it's from you, you know, like, Mm. tell me those kind of things. And he ended up saying, well, you know, the main person who's the reason that we're together was her mother and she passed away and her ashes are under buried under tree. And I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. What kind of tree is it? And he's like, Oh, I don't know. Let me text my mom. So he texts his mom. He's like, what kind of tree is it? She comes back and she says it was a white flowering dogwood tree. Stop and, it. and you're like, Bing. and I was like, why don't we make her like a little bonsai version of that tree? And as soon as she sees that she's going to know a, that it's from you. And B, that it represents the connection relationship and that you know her and that not only is she going to be sad about the fact that the rest of her family isn't there on her wedding day, but she's totally going to be thinking about the fact that her mom's not there. Hmm. And you're going to give her this gift that says, not only are we there with you, but she's there with you, too. And he was like, mind blown. What? <laughs> You're like, like, another paper craft miracle, betches. Like, you know, yeah. exactly. so I was like, all right, cool. So I got, I started making this thing. Took us like, um, you know, three or four weeks to put it together. Before I finished it and put it in the mail, he talked to her on FaceTime and mm-hmm. she was saying, oh yeah, well, you know, we're making plans for our little tiny wedding that we're doing. Guess what, Uncle Dave? We're getting married under mom's tree. He had no idea. Yeah. That they were going to do that. Yep. And I was like, when? when? <laughs> yes. You know, like, You're like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And, you know, we sent it off. It was in this huge box and I secured it like perfectly. So, so once it was open and they like took out the compostable packing peanuts, Perfect. it was like this full tree, like inside a giant box. Uh. And his wife had no idea that he had ordered this gift at all. He, uh-huh. he just told her, like, don't worry about it. I took care of her gift. Like, it, it's cool. Whatever. She calls on FaceTime and is like, how the what? Where did you come up with this gift? And his wife is like, dude, you're never in the doghouse, like, ever again. <laughs> you come up with this gift, you know? And we even did, like, a really special card that went with it. Because apparently her mom used to drink Michelob Ultra with orange juice in it, which is so disgusting. But I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued. So is it like, what's it called? Like it's, got, it's got a fun name, isn't it? Like Michelada or something? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that was her thing, you know, Michelob, right. Mick and OJ or something. Like he had, they had like a, a name for it. Sure. And so he's like, yeah, I mean, it, that's definitely an inside joke that all of us thought she was nuts and she would drink that all the time. And we all thought it was super gross. But if you saw one of those, yeah, that's her. And so I went online and I found a picture of a Michelob ice can and photoshopped it together with a glass of orange juice on a table, like with palm trees in the background and made it look like it was really sitting there next to it. And, and on the inside, it, it was just like, we're all there with you in spirit, you know, we're all there. Yeah. And she was just like, like not really a sentimental person. I mean, like the things that I have made, there's a lot of people who buy stuff from me for other people that are not typically sentimental people. Yeah. And those people open these gifts from us and they're like, I never care about presents. And this is fucking awesome. You know, yeah, like, because it's personal and it's rooted, it's rooted in story. Yeah. And you're, because I know, I happen to know that you're also a writer and a poet and a storyteller. Like 
And so, you know, to listen, which like, you know, I, I do this work too. So I'm like, you're getting, you're, you're hitting all my buttons, right? Like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is so amazing. Because like to be able to like hear the story of a person and then translate that into a physical object, like that's part of your like medicine. Mm-hmm. And that's also part of your magic. Right. And so a lot of people, that's just not how they move through the world. And so they find you because you've got that medicine and that magic. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, because of how you move through the world, like you're like, Oh, human beings love this stuff. Like it's personally meaningful. It's an object. Like it's a, it's like a ritual object or like a, what is, what would I say? Like a special artifact. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm totally not surprised that they cry and whether or not they're sentimental because it's not, it's not some generic gift. It's like specially crafted for who they are. And like they're with inside their own story and like what matters to them inside that story. Like, so go you. That's amazing. Right, Stop, let's, like, let's zip through these five questions real quick. Okay, perfect. Quick. Thank you. First one. Tell me about an experience that shaped who you are today that like changed you at one moment. Yeah, having babies. <laughs> You're not the only one to say that. Yeah. Okay. Number two, when you feel defeated or overcome, what do you tell yourself to keep going? I don't say anything. I just do whatever feels good. Okay. Three, (laughs) tell me about a way that you overcame a failure or a mistake and what you learned from it. I don't think that I ever fail or make mistakes. It's good for you. (laughs) Uh, The way that I look at it is that every time I make a mistake, it just means, um, I get more information about how I want to do it the next time. My husband hates this about me. He's like, why can't you regret anything? And I'm like, because I'm just doing the best I can. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. So I just zoom out and say, okay, it didn't work out the way I'd hoped and something better's coming. Like, and I do a lot of like mental patching around that. I might be delusional, but it really works well for me. I think that's awesome. Okay. Number four, what one trait or habit is most responsible for keeping you on track? I don't think about my life in terms of being on track or not. Well, like, you know, what's one thing that you do every day that you're like, man, if I didn't do that, then I would be like a fucking basket case. Can you ask the question a different way? Um, what, what is one of your daily habits that makes you feel sane? Drinking water. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's a good thing to do. Okay. Number five, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? And what advice would you give to other people? Oh gosh. These are hard. Piece of advice. The best piece of advice I ever got was, um, Pick your spots and take your shots from my dad. It was in the context of basketball, but not really. It was like one of those life lessons disguised as like how to play basketball. Mm -hmm. What's the advice that I would give to other people? Mm -hmm. Stop taking yourself so damn seriously. (laughs) For real. I think it's the fastest I ever did these five questions. In my head, when you're like, there's five things that I always ask guests, I'm like, oh, speed round, I'm in. 
<laughs> no, it's awesome. Okay. So that was the last question. Da, 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 da. So do I, do I, do I win something? Uh, you get to tell everyone where they can find you on the internet. <laughs> um, when I'm on the internet, you can find me at, uh, let's see. I'm at Stella Wordsmith on Instagram. That's pretty much my favorite platform right now until Facebook ruins it. Um, and then I'm also at lostperegrinas.org. That's where we do our business advising and marketing work. Um, and I also have another website, stellaorange.com, which is where you can find out more about Shut Up and Write and the writing work that I do with people. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Stella, for being on the show and taking the time away from your little twin babies Absolutely. Uh, to have this lovely conversation, which obviously we could have had all day long if we didn't have other obligations. That's right. Thank you for having me. It's, it was a blast. Uh, it was. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone for uh, hanging out with us on the Reach the Stars podcast. If you love it, you can uh, go be a patron on patreon.com slash reach the stars, review us on iTunes, give us the thumbs up and subscribe on the YouTube and and uh, we will see you next week. Bye, everybody. Have a great day. <laughs> a single interaction has the power to change your life forever. This is a place for the stories of those moments. Stories of pursuing dreams, overcoming tragedy and failure, of coming back to life after so much of what feels like dying, of continuing on with only a vision as a map. This is the place where those moments live on. Come sit by the fire, look up at the stars, and be forever changed too. Thank you for being with us on the Reach the Stars podcast. Our theme music is generously provided by Byrocratic. You can find him on Bandcamp.com. Thank you to all of our current patrons, guests, and everyone else who helps make this dream a reality. We are so proud to be building this amazing community with all of you. If you love this podcast, please consider sharing with a friend, leaving a review on iTunes, and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash reach the stars. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the videos of these conversations. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, do something cool and tell us about it.